cash is dead, high-speed trains are even faster, and everyone uses a QR code, even in the little markets. Amid potatoes and peaches, that a financial revolution is taking place. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today the detail goes to China to find out what life is like now that it has reopened after years of harsh COVID lockdowns. The pandemic is over, and for the new year, I wish for a thriving business. Journalist Chen Liu has lived in New Zealand for seven years, and she's one of millions of expats who've gone home, helping give China the much-needed post-pandemic economic jolt. An economic jolt that will be felt around the globe now that travel restrictions to and from China have been lifted. Restrictions lifted for the big Lunar New Year festivities. And Leo's home just in time for those celebrations for the first time in four years. Is it Kung Hei Fat Choi? Oh, it- wow. Yeah, it speaks very good Cantonese. That's right, yeah, Mandarin. Yeah. What's the correct way for in Mandarin? Gong Si Fa Chai. Gong Si Fa Chai. Awesome. You're oh. so talented in languages. You <laughs> no. should learn some Mandarin as well. <laughs> oh. Anyway, okay. Well, I think we're rolling. So shall we just have a bit of a chat about how things are going for you? Yeah, sure. So tell me, first of all, what your impressions were as you came into your hometown. I was on a car and I was observing, but I feel like I can't recognize some areas because there are so many more high-rise apartment buildings and there are so many more private cars on the road too. The other thing I noticed is that uh, digital payment methods such as WeChat Pay and Alipay become more ubiquitous. So nearly all shops, supermarkets and restaurants, big or small, use them. All you need is your mobile phone. And I don't recall seeing anyone who uses cash or bank card anymore. Forget the wallet. In China, all you need is your smartphone. To some, it's a life-changing innovation. Um, And out of curiosity, I checked online and a set of data from last year suggests that China's mobile payment adoption has beaten all other countries. So it, it is at the top. Wow given the big population of China. Are Chinese people early adopters of new technology? I would say Chinese people are more open-minded to those kind of things. Mm. You know, last time when I got back in China, uh, four years ago, we, um, me and my cousin went into a restaurant and um, there was no waitress or waiter coming over. There was just a QR code at the corner of a table. You just need to take out your phone scan the code and then order food. Mm-hmm. I guess some some restaurants in New Zealand are using this method as well. But this time I just feel it's more ubiquitous, even for a milk tea shop. Is that right? Just with a little Chinese version of a cafe, the milk tea shops. Not just the milk tea shop, but the fruit and veggie seller who's been doing business the same way for decades. With one significant exception, the little cashier robot she has adopted. Yeah. 
And this taxi driver is telling the reporter that even the bin man or the rubbish collector has a QR code. So and, and also I notice there are so many more e-commerce platforms um, coming up. They become really popular, such as Pinduoduo and Douyin. Douyin Douyin's international version is TikTok, so you may know. Um, they provide more options to shoppers rather than the more established Taobao or Jingdong and other platforms. And people just watching a video uh, or an influencer on on their phone, and then they place an order and uh, delivery is really fast. Pinduoduo is not a conventional company. This model was disruptive. Not only can users find the most value for money products on our platform, but they will also experience more fun when they explore and interact using Pinduoduo. And then I was also impressed by the high-speed rail,、uh, which I took from Wuhan to Beijing. The more than one thousand kilometers journey takes just under four hours. In little over a decade, the country's built enough high-speed lines to almost circle the globe. This is the unstoppable high-speed growth of China's high-speed rail network. The whole high-speed rail system was introduced about ten years ago in 2012,、um, but the train speed between my hometown to Beijing was increased again last year. Is that a sign that the economy is? Doing quite well because we hear a lot that you know China's economy has been suffering in the last few years. I think putting all the conveniences and prosperity aside, I do hear people talking about how projects fail and employees are made redundant.、Um, shops can shut down after operating for a short period of time as they can't sustain themselves due to the poor economy, and then new shops come up and the same thing would happen to them too. Uh, there might be a small restaurant you like, you really like, but it might not be there when you're visiting them again.、Um, there are also talks about how people have to work really hard, and overtime is a common place, and you could be called into work when you're on holiday.、Uh, once I was asking a friend, I was like, "Can you not refuse?"、Uh, she laughed and said, "Oh, you could be asked to leave if you don't want to work. There will be other people who wants this job." So. Uh, I think, yeah, of course, COVID has impacted the economy and people's mobility a lot, just like in other countries. But and with the relaxation of COVID rules,、uh, the economy will rebound again, just like in other countries. But I do have a personal observation.、Um, speaking from a very surface level,、um, though the economy is going. Well, in some aspects, and people are making progresses in their lives,、um, getting more material gains, or getting promoted, or moving into a bigger apartment. I do feel, in general, New Zealanders seem to be happier. I'm going to generalize things a little bit. I think that Chinese people are kind, hardworking, family-oriented, and peace-loving, but we just don't laugh as light-heartedly as New Zealanders do. Despite all the progresses in life, you know, I was asking a friend. I was like, "Why people are living a better material life, but they don't seem to be much happier?"、Um, that friend, who's a young parent, said that、uh, mortgage, education for the child, healthcare, and providing for elderly parents 
or bring pressure to people. And then there is another friend who is a science journalist says, there is no hope. I asked, what does she mean? And she says, she feels that China is losing connections to the world. There used to be frequent communication between them and journalists and scientists in other countries. But in recent years, it was difficult for foreigners to visit China. And it was difficult for Chinese to go overseas too. Mm. She says what worries her the most is that the outside world seems to be losing its will to communicate with China. Some people may say, hey, Liu, I, we think you're wrong. We're very happy. You just don't know. So, yeah. That's just what I heard and what I feel. And obviously you're back to see friends and family and to celebrate Chinese New Year. Have there been, have you done lots of celebrating? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was really, really great seeing my parents after four years. I was actually longing for this moment for such a long time. I, like I get my tickets. Um, when was that? That was actually before the quarantine was cancelled. By then, it was still seven plus three when I bought my tickets back home. And then it was reduced to five plus three, meaning that you have to isolate at the first arrival destination for five days and then three days quarantine at home. Oh, actually, isolation. And then it was cancelled. I was so stoked. I got home just the day before the Chinese New Year's Eve and uh, my parents, an uncle and a cousin were waiting for me downstairs when I arrived. And, you know, normally hugging is not really a thing for us Chinese, but I hugged them so hard and got a bit teary as well. Yeah, it was really exciting. And then, of course, we had uh, family meals um, like every day consecutively. But um, this year, I guess, is a little bit different as well because we normally would have a big family gathering on Chinese New Year's Eve for the dinner, just like what Christmas dinner is for, means for Westerners, I guess. Some of my relatives, they decided not to travel back to, to Hubei for the New Year's gathering due to COVID concerns. And uh, so I think that's valid as well because some of them haven't got it yet. So we just celebrated at home with our small core family for the New Year's Eve. And then we visited other relatives in the days that after. And uh, yeah, we just, you know, I'm walking around the city to see what is going on and have a catch up and share food and some memories and experiences for the, the days that we haven't been together. And tell me, what is there any talk? Do, do people talk about COVID now? Because it's still rampant, isn't it? Crematoriums in major cities are swamped as COVID sweeps through the country. I mean, I was reading in The Guardian that up to 10,000 critical cases are registered in hospitals in China every day. I don't really know about the statistics, but I do feel people are pretty much very relaxed about COVID right now um, in Beijing and in my hometown, Hubei. People still wear masks, like in train stations and in crowded places like parks. But I don't feel people now remember much, well, talk much about COVID specifically. Like when I was catching up with my friends and relatives, most of the time we were just talking about like, 
how things have been for them when they've got COVID and talk about, talking about symptoms and how the days uh, have been for them. So when, when I actually ask them specifically, like, do you remember the initial days when COVID first happened? And some of them remembered that they wouldn't be allowed out from their apartment building at all. There would be guard up there. And about the strict quarantine, I don't think people talk much about that now. People's focus is more like how to pursue fortune fortune in the future and stuff. And because I think between like straight controls to complete opening up, I do feel there is there was a lack of preparedness. Like my my friends in Beijing were the first bunch of people that I knew ha, have got COVID, but some of them were saying that they wouldn't be able to get medications like painkillers and the medicine for fevers and stuff. So they have to get some medications from their friends and colleagues in other parts of the country mm. because COVID was rampant then in Beijing, but it was not happening so much in the southern part of China. Because the tests weren't available. Yeah. First oh. of all, um, they, they were a bit scared of going into the hospital uh, to get a test or it is crowd, um, or it is too crowded um, that they have to queue. I'm not sure about that. But then there is no rapid antigen test kits available as well. You can't buy them online. It is out of stock all the time. And my mom was telling me that the price of gingers was going up as well because we think ginger has some kind of um, effect in curing cold, flu. And Liu, we heard a lot about the protests when China was still in such a strict lockdown with the COVID zero policy. We heard a lot about those protests um, at the end of last Mm. year. Protesters clashing with police on Tuesday night. The police there are wearing full hazmat suits. They're carrying shields. Protesters throwing what appears to be empty plastic water bottles at the police. And the police respond, dispersing them with tear gas. This week, workers at an iPhone assembly plant in the city of Zhengzhou clashed with police over concerns about pay and living conditions. The COVID-19 resurgence is bad news for China's economy. Do people talk about that at all? Is there any criticism of the government still and the way it's handled the the pandemic? Um, I don't really hear people talking about the protests at all, actually. I don't think people, some people actually know about it because while in New Zealand we have more access to stuff, to media, to news, um, but here in China, I don't think people even know about it. For example, there was a fire in Xinjiang on the apartment building. Lift COVID lockdown is what this crowd in China's far western Xinjiang region is chanting after a deadly fire in a high-rise building triggered rare protests over the country's prolonged COVID lockdown. What Chinese people in New Zealand, at least the people I know, they were posting stuff on social media, we were talking about that. But here, when I was asking some people about the fire, some people didn't even hear about it. So I guess there is a difference in terms of uh, information uh, here and there. 
you don't hear criticism about the government's handling. Is that, do you think people are too worried that they might get in trouble? Or is it just that that's the way things are and people, as you say, people would rather um, think about making a fortune and look into the future? I think it goes in two ways. I chatted with different people, like when I was traveling, um, including like taxi drivers or um, shopkeepers. Um, there was definitely like quiet complaints. I feel there is a distrust towards the system for sure. Some people are saying that the information about the statistics about death toll is not reliable, like the government has intentionally reduced the number of the actual deaths. And uh, also there is talking about things haven't been handled properly. For example, the Shanghai lockdown, people weren't prepared for food and medication. But people have different perceptions. Like some people are saying the policies from the central government is actually very good. It is just because the local governments weren't doing their jobs very well. People do have their complaints. But then uh, there is people talking about there are too many things happening. We should just live our lives as common grassroots people. You do what you do. You live in a way that you can. Yeah. It's easy to criticize, but it's very hard to actually change stuff. So what can you do? When was the last time you were back there? Four years ago? Yeah, four years ago, early 2019. So have you noticed that people are more restricted in what they say? Has that, has that changed at all? You know, in the email I mentioned to you about forgetful um, forgetfulness, mm. I was talking to a friend the other day about it. I was a little bit surprised because I was looking forward to it. I have been away for four years. It's basically the whole time when COVID was happening around the world. And I was keen to hear like how people are feeling about those four years, like uh, strict control, isolation and stuff. But I don't really hear much about it at all, about uh, the talking of COVID, but a lot of talking about how to um, pursue the future. And then a friend was saying that some people are trying to keep things down, like keep a record of things. Mm. But then you just have to keep it to yourself because if you publish it or you want to share it on social media, um, perhaps you will be silenced. Your articles will be removed and um, the story just couldn't go far. So I think that's one reality about it. People do have their limitations about talking about things. I feel it is it is getting more strict. That is my personal feeling because sometimes, especially during the pandemic, like when it's peaking, there were so many things that we were able to read and now and it will, it will get deleted like the next day or in the next couple of hours. Hmm. Yeah, things like this do happen. So do you feel comfortable about talking to me about all of this? I mean, are you worried at all that what you're telling me might get you into trouble in some way, or, or or your family even? To be completely honest, yes, I do worry. 
I do have this subconsciousness about, oh, yeah, uh, how about if they catch what I'm saying? But then on the other hand, I think I'm just telling the truth. I'm not, I'm just telling the truth, like what I have observed and what I have experienced. And yeah, if it is the fact, I think that's okay to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I do, I do have this kind of, you know, <laughs> um, worry inside me. <laughs> what you've seen and what you've experienced from being back there, does it make you want to return to live or are you happy being in New Zealand? So the other day when I was going into the cinemas with my cousins, I feel a kind of strange feeling that I had was, oh my gosh, it's so comfortable um, because, you know, it's my it's in my native language environment and everything is so easy for me. It's not like, though I have lived in New Zealand for more than seven years and I studied English for a long period of time, but still there is a barrier there, either lang- in terms of language or in terms of culture. But here, it just feels so familiar and so smooth without a barrier. And then it's so good to um, meet my parents and uh, reconnect with my old friends. The, the place that I grew up, I went to university. Um, I, it just feels good to reconnect with people here and reconnect with this piece of land. I think I understand more about this nationality or because I grew up here, I got educated here. And then on the other hand, oh, I was I was saying that I feel there are so many things that I can criticize, but um, I do feel I understand that like what is happening on this piece of land. I do feel I have that understanding. I feel a sense of belonging to some extent but when I look outside of the window sometimes I can't see the azure tint blue sky as what I would see in New Zealand I'm like oh I miss New Zealand I want to go back and I want to do some outdoor activities I, I, I sincerely hope that this piece of land will have a better future um, do I want to stay here I did have this kind of thought but I think for now I still want to live in New Zealand for a bit more. Yeah, it's a contradiction for me as well. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Mark Chesterman. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Chen Liu. Ka kite anō.